Bible study. Thank you for those of you who are joining us live stream. Uh, we appreciate you uh, being a part of tonight's Bible study. Tiffany and I are pretty excited about it. And, and our thought tonight, Passionate Providence, was birthed out of an article uh, that I read from a, a minister that I follow, Chris Volatin. And uh, he's got an incredible ministry. I enjoy uh, following him. I follow him for quite some time now. And his, he's all about developing uh, people into their calling, right, and in, into working, uh, helping them to develop as the person, the people of God that they're supposed to be. And this week, he had a, a new blog post that I shared with Pastor Brian and with Tiffany that I want to read to you because it, it really sets the stage for what we're going to be talking about tonight. And the title of this blog is, Does God Ever Supersede Our Will in Providential Times? And what a great thought. He, he, he released this on May 1st, and he subtitled this, Now Follow Me. And he asks the question when he first starts out this blog, he says, do you believe in providence? I think we might need to define it. Right? So Chris says, God asked me this question a few months ago for five straight days as, as soon as I opened my eyes each morning. I knew it was God speaking to me because the word providence wasn't even in my vocabulary. I have to amen that. It wasn't in mine either. In fact, I had to look up the definition to find out what it really meant. I'll save you the trouble. Providence is defined as the foreseeing care and guidance of God over the creatures of the earth or God directing the universe and the affairs of humankind with wise Benevolence. I liked that. Beautiful. Did you like that? Yeah, I did. And also, if I can just add to the definition. Absolutely. It sounds really loud. Um, that the word providence is striking, and it comes from the word provide, which has two parts. Pro, which is the Latin form of it, forward, on behalf of, and vide, Latin, to see. So you might think that provide would mean to see forward or to foresee, but it doesn't. It actually means to supply what is needed to give sustenance or support. And so the noun providence has come to mean the act of providing for or sustaining and the governing of the universe by God. I love that. Chris Bulletin says this definition, the one he shared, is nice and all, but God did not repeatedly ask me this question to hear me acknowledge that he was a benevolent director. No, rather, he was readying my heart for an incredible prophetic revelation that I believe is not only for me, but for you and for all of God's people. I believe this. I, I believe he was right on with that. In fact, when you sent this to me, you said this, this, this with about 20 exclamation I marks. I did, yeah. Uh, it, I, was, I was having one of those weekends where I felt the Holy Spirit really dealing with me, talking to me, downloading inside of me. And uh, when this came along, I was just like, yeah, you're confirming that you're talking to me right now. This is great. He says, before I share what I believe is more of a corporate prophetic word than a teaching with prophetic wisdom, let me preface it by sharing with you a vision I had years ago. In the vision, God walked by very intentionally down a path, yet people were standing in front of him like defensive linemen in a football game. That's a great visual right there. I think we might all stand in front of God uh, at times. Yeah. It may sound a little Old Testament, but God threw these men out of his way like rag dolls. 
one to the left and the other to the right. Then the scene shifted, and instead of watching God knock these opposing men around, I was the next one in front of him. I, too, had my guard up as if I was going to try and block God's progress. He looked me right in the eyes and shouted, Get out of my way. Then he reached out to grab my arm as if to forcibly move me aside, but I pivoted out of his way just in time, and when he swiftly pressed past me, I heard him say, Now follow me. I wonder how many of us are dealing with some of this right now because we're in a time where we're wanting answers and we're not getting easy answers as quickly as we would like to get them. I, I am. I mean, just being completely transparent, uh, my day, my mind was consumed today with an impatient um, irritation in some ways. Which is so interesting, Ron, because I have a whole thing on patience <laughs> and training and patience that we're going to talk about a little bit later. I think God yeah. was preparing us for that. I th and it comes from knowing, knowing what something is and will be and wondering why all the wait, right? Yeah, but I think we can see from the examples in the Bible that we, there are many times the children of Israel had to wait 400 years 400. asking for a deliverer. I don't believe we are going to wait 400 years for deliverance from what we are going through right now, but there are many examples in the Bible and in our own lives, and I, I shared with this with you today yesterday, and I want to share it here again because I want to testify to God's faithfulness. Because when we're dealing with our impatience in waiting, we have to look back. We've been talking about this a lot. We have to look back and we have to remember what God has done in our lives. And that helps us, you know, to know that he is going to come through again. He is going to answer. So you were singing, choir was singing on Sunday walking around these walls again. I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet. And so I went back. I was instantly reminded of youth camp, which was almost a year ago when you guys were singing this. And I was in the throes of one of the hardest times of my life. My family was being pulled apart by addiction with my son, Joey. And it was, it was hard to breathe sometimes. It, honestly, it was just hard. And, of course, we're there ministering <laughs> and trying to encourage other people, and that's how the enemy works, I think. But that song, I remember singing it when we were there. God, you did it before. You're going to do it again. And something in me released, even though it did not look good on the outside. And even after that, when I went home that night, it was even worse. But now I can say, looking back, we're coming up on almost one year of Joey's sobriety. So Sunday, when we were singing this, I was so just overcome. I've got to testify to God's faithfulness. And I bet that there's a lot of us, and I would love it if you would put it in the feed, that could testify to God's faithfulness of all the times that he's come through for us. I had to wait over 20 years for his deliverance. We have to wait sometimes, and it's not easy. Yeah. But if we will look back and remember all the times he's already done it, he's faithful. Amen. Chris says it in, in the next part of this blog. He says, have you ever considered that there are seasons when God is not for you, 
nor is he against you. Rather, he creates sovereign times where you must get out of his way and follow. To clarify, I'm not suggesting that God is currently using pandemics, any type of terror, or quaking the earth to teach us a lesson. In fact, Isaiah 54, I loved this hope that he shared with here. Isaiah 54, 15 through 17 says, If anyone fiercely assails you, God said, it will not be from me. I love that. How wonderful is that? Because if you've grown up in any kind of religious culture, you are conditioned to believe Mm -hmm. through time that anything that bad happens is God either doing it or allowing it to happen. Judging. Judging, right? In judgment. something you've sown. Which takes me to some whole other side of what I've been studying. We are not living in judgment right now. We're not. We're not even there. That's a whole nother Bible study. He says this, if anyone fiercely assails you, it will not be from me. I'm simply saying that God is moving in the midst of it all, and it's vital that we learn to move with him even when we don't understand. That's right. And I can, I know a lot of us, and we've talked, we talk about this a lot. When we're going through that terrible time, we sometimes get that victim mentality because I've served you, God, all my life. Why is this happening right now? That we kind of get that mentality sometimes. And I think we have to constantly remind ourselves it's not about, He's not punishing us. He is working in providence, and we have to let go and let Him do what He wants to do. My way is not His way. My thoughts are not His thoughts. I cannot fix the situation, only He can. And I think, again, in the time that we're living in right now, we have to remind ourselves of His absolute providence. He is passionate passionate providence over his people. I love that you shared a scripture that I've quoted before. Last week, I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me insight into that, and uh, you said, my ways are not your ways. And I've seen that as a statement, but last week, like, the Holy Spirit shifted my perspective on that, and I saw that as an invitation. My ways are not your ways? Okay, God, you're inviting me to your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Okay, God, you're inviting me to have your thoughts. And now what I've seen as a statement from God, almost saying, uh, almost like a, in, a, in a kind of a human spiritual comparison, now he's saying, put down the, the humanity and think spiritually with that statement. And when we think about divine providence and, and a passionate providence, when we look at it through the lens of spirituality and through a connection to God and, and to his spirit, we get a whole nother image of what that providence really is. He says in here, Joshua experienced this type of sovereign override while camping in the desert plains of Jericho in Joshua chapter five. The scripture says a man appeared before Joshua with a sword in his hand. According to the Hebrew text, it's unclear if it was a divine messenger or the pre-incarnate Christ. But when Joshua inquired if the sword drawn man was for him or against him, the messenger's response was neither I am the captain of the Lord's armies. Now, remove the sandals from your feet because you are standing on holy ground. What has blown my mind is even in this article, we are seeing the four principles that we've been sharing for weeks now. The look up, the look back, look in, and look forward. This very idea of providence is that same principle over and over. And wherever we look in Scripture, we're seeing that God is sending us a message. Pay attention to me, he's saying. Follow me. 
because there are so many other things that we could be paying attention to. And we are, because and we are. we're looking this way instead of that way. But the Bible does tell us to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That right there makes me want to be spiritually minded. Life and peace. Life and peace. That's good. Today. To be carnally minded is death. Is, is death. But to be spiritually minded it's is life and peace. and peace. That's so good. Chris says, when God woke me over five mornings, provoked me with a question of providence, another challenging question stirred in my spirit. Did I believe God moved sovereignly inside of the new covenant as he did with Old Testament followers such as Joshua, Moses, Abraham, and so many others? In other words, through God's divine providence, does God supersede the will of man for the sake of his omniscient understanding today? What a great question. And he goes on to say that the account of Ananias and Sapphira lying to the Holy Spirit about money in Acts chapter 4 suggests that he does. Let me be clear. My primary concern in teaching about Ananias and Sapphira is that we might create a culture out of exception because we misunderstand the difference between a Kairos act, which you're going to explain that, of sovereignty and the grace-filled gravity of of everyday free will in Jesus. So Kairos, I had to look that yes. up too because I couldn't remember the meaning, is the appointed time and the purpose of God. So we're looking at God's appointed time, his appointed purpose, because he is sovereign over all creation. That is what providence means. He is ruler over all of that versus the free will of man. Which is a gift, Right. He gave us the gift of free will. Pastor Brian has taught us for many, many years that the, the freedom of choice is a gift from God. He's not taking away, right? No, but, but he will intervene. Yes, he will intervene. Amen. I love that. He says this. My point in referencing this passage is that many people before Ananias and Sapphira lied and didn't die for it. I've lied, and oh, I yes. haven't died yet. I have lied too, but yeah. don't ask me to tell you about it. <laughs> Wait, now we want to. Right? In fact, he says, the scriptures show that they are being questioned by the most famous liar in the Bible, which is Peter. I'm simply pointing out that there are times in history when we move from the grace-filled days of free will into a sovereign time when God takes over. And we must adjust to his lead. Uh, what was the singer that said, Jesus, take the wheel? Right? <laughs> right? There are times when uh, even in our own lives, God intervenes for our better, our betterment, for our good, because he sees a bigger picture we don't see, because he has an understanding that we either haven't been privy to yet, or that we're ignoring, or something like that. But there are times, I'm trying to think of times in my personal life when God took over, uh, bringing me to Phoenix, uh, because he foresaw. He foresaw. Yeah. yeah. I propose, he says, that we are in a sovereign season now, and we must learn to follow. I have to agree with that, the idea that we are in a sovereign season right now because we, we have a lot of no control, yep. right? There are things we can't change. Uh, I, I, uh, we can't control what's, what, what's happening with the virus. If so, we would have already controlled it. 
it's had it's it's like its own organism right it's had its own uh, method own way of moving around and even if we believe in the reports that it was man-made that's fine it's still got out right and so it's become this thing that maybe god is using these moments for something greater i know i've heard from different people that in this even though it's been such a struggle that the things that have happened during this season of quarantine the healings that have taken place, the restoration of relationships that have taken place might not have happened had we not been in this season. That's right. For those of you who are asking, thank you, Greg, for, for letting me know. Chris Volatin, it's K-R-I-S-V-A-L-L-O-T-T-O-N. Chris Volatin, all right? He's a great follow on social media. He says this, that we, whose side are you on? He asks this question. Whose side are you on? Tell me, where will you stand? Who is on the Lord's side? Remember that song? Haven't we done that here at the river years ago? Who is on the Lord's side? He says this, we are living in unprecedented times. Our moment in history that we have been gifted with being a part of is unlike any other moment in history. Have there been pandemics before? Absolutely. Have there been wars before? Absolutely. Has there been terror before? Absolutely. Something is different about this season. It's affecting everyone. No one is exempt. Not from one the nation effect. is exempt from what this experience. I love that. Yeah. I don't love that we're all experiencing tough stuff, but I love that the whole world is involved in this one this time. We are living in unprecedented times. For the first time in modern history, brace yourself because this is a bold statement. We live in a culture where people have morphed sin into an identity statement rather than recognizing it as a behavior. And if this pandemic has exposed anything, it's revealed a global political climate that has many of you asking God whose side he is on. Just like that scripture that we read before from Joshua, when the angel or the Lord came if you read it in the, in the Amplified, it says, are you for us or for our adversaries? That's right. what he was asking. And the Lord replies, neither. I'm the captain. I'm <laughs> <laughs> so good. I love that. I suggest, he says, you're asking the wrong question just as Joshua did and missing the point entirely. It's not a matter if God is for you or against you. We know God is for us, Right. That's, that's not even the question in the season for your political policies or if he's against them. What we must recognize is that we are currently in a time when God is showing us who the captain is. Hallelujah for that. God is allowing us to experience life in a way that maybe gets our focus, like Pastor Fertig was preaching on Sunday. Where's your focus, right? Maybe this whole thing is about getting our focus back to where it's supposed to be it had been in shopping it had been in possessions it had been in things in entertainment in material in news ideas in hollywood and all of these places and now all of a sudden we're like shook right we're in a place where oh what am i what what am i supposed to be doing right now and he also said Stephen for in his message are we going to focus on the pain are we going to focus on the purpose <laughs> We should focus on the purpose. Focus on the purpose. Uh, Chris Volatin says he is moving at a speed that is creating Kairos conditions, meaning that God is sovereign, right? And in yeah, control time. because of a greater purpose. Yes. 
There is an urgency to step out of the way of what God is doing. So the question isn't, whose side is God on? Rather, the question is, whose side are you on? I want to be on the side of I the captain to, of the Lord. I want to be on host. his side. But what does that look like, right? What does it look like to be on God's side? What sacrifices have to be made in order that I come into alignment with God's side? That's a, that's a rhetorical question because there's a thousand things going through my head right now, none that I'm, I'm willing to speak out loud, yeah. right? Yeah, and I, but I do think that a lot of us are in a place of sacrifice right now because we aren't getting to live the life that we normally do and have the freedoms that we usually have. So there is a sense of great sacrifice in that. But in all of that, our tribulations are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that God will reveal in us when all of this is done. So somehow we have to keep reshifting our focus on that. Yeah, because I, I have to say, in my, my experience of what's been going on, I can't say that I've had a, much of a sacrifice. I, not really. Yeah. Uh, life has can't been... can't go shopping. I can't go shopping, but I don't know that that's a sacrifice. You know? When I think of sacrifice can't help but think of Jesus. Um, I can't help but think of Martin Luther. I can't help but think of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, or some of the martyrs. When I hear sacrifice, that is what I think. None of us, uh, not very many of us, have lost our lives, right? No, we have not yet resisted. We, we haven't resisted. Yeah, unto yeah. death. Un absolutely. And so, is it sacrifice? Or is it a change of perspective? Absolutely change of perspective. Yeah. I think that's what we daily have to renew our minds and get um, our focus back. And I know that's another thing I heard on that Sunday message was when Peter was walking on the water, Pastor Brian has talked about this quite a lot too. Um, it wasn't the depth of the waves. It wasn't so much the wind. It was that he lost his focus. So the prayer is, God, don't let my focus be broken. I want to have an unbroken focus on you for whatever is in front of me. Yeah, that's good. Chris says this, after seasons of looking for his people to step up, God is stepping in and creating his own justice. Through providential moments, he who fashioned and formed the earth with the purpose of it being inhabited is going before us and he will subdue the nations. And he, he, he mentions Isaiah 45 there. I believe, he says, we are about to see American politics suddenly interrupted by providence. Thank God. God will not be moved and God will not be derailed. I would suggest that you consider how to navigate this Cairo sovereign moment in the following ways. Number one, this is a challenge. Yes, and this has put me in like deep thought mode for several days now consider where your loyalties lie we must be people that have loyalty to the kingdom that transcends party lines this kairos moment will not be defined by a political party if you have a political spirit chris says you will miss God's Kairos moment. I feel like that could be really offensive to some people because some people have some very strong beliefs about their party. 
lines. I do. Yes, but are, can we come to a place where we can surrender what we think is right to what is your will, God? Because that ultimately is our prayer. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. That's what we should pray yes. for. However you want to establish your kingdom on earth, do it and let me step aside, even if it doesn't agree with what I, what I think. It's freeing to be able to, to allow other people to think for themselves, to allow them to have their own opinions and it not affect me in a negative way. It's one of the most liberating experiences. Or think that we have to change them. Absolutely. And Pastor Brian, uh, in you know him mentoring me and teaching me, if I haven't been asked, I shouldn't answer the question. A lot of times what we're doing on social media is we're answering questions we've never been asked. We're throwing out ideas and opinions that no one's asked for. If someone asks me for my opinion about something, I'm going to share it with them and let them know, hey, this is my opinion. You might see it differently. That's fine. But if you haven't asked me for it, I shouldn't deliver it. It's one of those things. How would our lives be at more peace if we would practice that one principle that Pastor Brian has taught me for many years? Now, I will say, I don't always win that fight. But I have learned to catch myself. Even last night, um, after I was doing some stuff on, on the website, uh, I, I was scrolling through Facebook before I went to bed and saw a post. And I had in my hand my comment. And Holy Spirit checked me. Do you really want to say that? And I was like, no, I, I really don't. I don't think I should. And I deleted it. And I don't even remember what it was now. See how big of a deal it was? But we'll make things a big deal. We will crit. I love what Dr. McRae has taught us. We will never rise to the level of those we criticize. Never. Wow. So consider where your loyalties lie. The second thing he says is behave. Woo, this got all over me. Behave with nobility. You are a king among kings. And if you don't understand what God is doing currently, then consider carefully how you speak about this season. Weigh your words and think before you speak. It is not your place to prophesy judgment against people, but it is your place to view people through God's perspective. And I love this because this is a, a reference to how the prophetic spirit works now. In 1 Corinthians 14, we are taught how to prophesy for encouraging one another in the spirit of love. And there, in, when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2, and Peter gets up and declares about the prophetic. He says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions before that great and glorious day of the Lord, right? But Malachi talks about, Malachi chapter 4, the great and terrible day. Two different days. Old covenant prophesied judgment. The new covenant, because of Jesus, prophesies encouragement, and it looks at somebody and calls in their heart, the things that God sees about them. Yeah, and we have so many examples of Jesus and how he dealt, he did not treat people the way that the religious people did. And right. so I think we have to constantly remember that he wasn't there to pass judgment, but to offer grace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And how awesome it is that Chris is saying that nobility moves in love. The, the kind of 
kingship that we have been called to, the kind of authority that we have been called to, has got to be done in love. I remember like it happened yesterday. I could tell you the exact spot on the trail we were standing when the Holy Spirit spoke to me on my birthday last year. And he said, Ron, use your influence for love or lose your influence. You know what I was looking at today, and I, th and I had forgotten about this, even though I read 1 Corinthians 13 a lot because I need the reminder. The very first attribute that it gives to love is love is patient. A little convicting right there. Behave with nobility. That was the second thing he talked about. The third thing that he uh, suggested is get out of the way. In sovereign moments of God, we need to put our heads down, listen, and learn to follow God's lead even when we don't understand. And when I read that line, I remembered like from the very beginning of the year all the way into the end of last year, Pastor Brian has been speaking and declaring to us in, in a prophetic way. And sometimes we don't understand that something's prophetic until we look backwards, right? In a prophetic way, what are you listening to? What thoughts, what ideas, what philosophies, what rules do you have in your head that life has to go a certain way? What are you listening to? And does that need to get out of the way? My, man, I'm telling you, a lot of my thoughts need to take a back seat, right? How hard is it to just be still and listen? I know whenever I try frequently, it's very difficult to just turn on completely my listening without all my thoughts trying to rule, you know? Yeah. Uh, when I was leaving Pastor Brian and Penny's house last night, I left as I was walking out. I said, I I'm going to go to bed because I need to go listen. I just, I just need to go get quiet and I need to listen. And I am learning. I, I have by no means arrived, but I'm learning to be still and and listen and know, right? He finishes his blog with this. God is prompting his people with one question. Do you believe in providence? He's signaling to us all that we are entering. He's signaling to us all that we are entering into a time that will require a different attitude, and it will require us to discern his movement. When's the last time you've discerned God's movement? Not someone else's, not brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, not what they're doing, not being concerned with what ha what's happening in other people's lives, but when is the last time we actually stopped and considered how God is moving? And even asked him, God, how do you want to move today? Yeah. How do you want to move in me? How do you want to move in my home? How do you want to move in my words and the things that I'm listening to? Just asking him to sovereignly, in his providence, guide every one of those things. So as I was reading today, I was reading about how God views everything in purpose. Everything. So he's not... Yes. So when he's looking at something, which part of that word providence means him looking and providing, um, the story of Abraham when he sacrificed Isaac, his son, before they went up the mountain, he's, the, his son says, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And when God had shown Abraham a ram caught in the thorns, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Providence has to do with provision. God sees, God provides. But whenever it says, 
provide, in Genesis 22, the Hebrew word is see. Very simply, Abraham said to Isaac, God will see for himself the lamb. And in verse 14, the Lord will see. Why does God seeing in Hebrew mean that he will provide? I think the deepest answer is that God never simply sees without acting. He is God. He is not a passive participant in a world that exists without his sustaining it. Wherever God is looking, God is acting. If God perceives, he performs. If he inspects, he affects. Say that again. God is not a passive participant in a world that exists without him sustaining it. Wherever God is looking, God is acting. I want God to look at me. Act in my life. If God perceives, He performs. If He inspects, He effects. Think about the times that God has inspected your heart. How has it affected you? And I, He's called me to greater. He is. He has called me to address it, to deal with it, not in a judgmental way, but because He sees something from a different perspective. And doesn't He allow you to see purpose in it, even? Yeah. Do I was like it? No. And I was thinking about Joseph today. We talked about this, about when he was thrown into the pit, his brothers betrayed him. Lying in the pit, it says he is crying in the pit, and they are ignoring him. At that time, I don't think, I know, that he could not see the providence of God was working in his life. The providence of God was going to work in a way that it would spare his family, save his family's life, and save a nation. But lying in the pit... He could not perceive that. And I wonder how many of us are lying in a pit and we cannot perceive the providence of God is preparing us for something so much greater. Chris says this. This follows right into that very well. You most likely won't understand the greater good in the current move he's making as providence happens from a perspective often unseen. But nevertheless, he, meaning God, is inviting you to join him. He desires you to trust and to follow two of the hardest things to execute. Trust and follow. And You know, many times in the Bible we're told to rejoice when we fall into temptations or trials. That's a difficult word. Rejoice when you fall. Count it all joy. So I read this scripture to you earlier. I'm going to read it. James 1, 2 through 4. My fellow believers, this is from the message. When it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. When you're in your difficult situation, try to see it that this experience is going to give you the greatest joy that you've ever had. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. This is how we develop endurance, is by our faith being tested. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. That is amazing to me, that this endurance is going to release perfection into every part of my being until there is nothing missing or nothing lacking. We don't always like our tests, our faith being tested, but this is what it, I want, this is what it's producing in us. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. Providence for becoming. 
it's about God's greater, greater plan. We either can submit to it or ignore it. And either way, he brings us right back to submission. We can ignore it for a while, but eventually he'll still bring us into alignment with his greater plan. Either with our will or against our will. Because he said, I already know the plans I have for I you. Know. God already knows the plans that he had plans to give you a future, plans to give you a hope. We have to be constantly reminded, I think, in this season, God already knows the path that he, and the plans that he's given to us. What I, one, of, one of the things that I love about this idea is that um, in, in providence, in divine providence, in passionate providence, God sees us without being churchy about it, as the finished work, right? He see, uh, I like Israel's song. You see my beginning. You stand at the end, right? And yet you remain faithful to say, I'm your friend, right? He sees the finished work of, of everything he is doing in us. And one of, the, one of the stories that I dug out of Scripture that helped me to see this is the story of Samuel and Saul. Uh, Samuel was a young boy. He, he grew up in, in the temple, right, and became a prophet, and he was anointing Saul to become king. And I love in this scripture what I, what I dug out of here is uh, then Samuel in chapter, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10, then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon Saul's head and he kissed him and said, has not the Lord anointed you over his inheritance as ruler? When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped caring about the donkeys because he wants to know where you are, Saul. Right? And worries for you saying, what will I do for my son? In verse 3 of chapter 10. Then you will go forward from there and you will come to the plain of Tabor. And there you will meet three men going up to God to Bethel. One carrying three goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And there they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you will receive from their hands. And I, I found that scripture this week and was digging it. Like, what does that mean? I know that there's something significant there. What does that mean? Why three loaves of bread? Why three goats? Why a bottle of wine? On the surface, yes, we know that those are items used in sacrifice, but there was something that was so much bigger there, providence, that Saul didn't even catch for the moment. I, I, when I was digging into finding out what does that mean, right? What, what is that providence that God is pouring out right here? Well, you'd have to understand that the guy was going to give, the, the prophet was going to give Saul two loaves of bread because it was a necessary, if, if Saul was going to become who God said he was going to be, the king of his inheritance, right? Then he had to be a priest because the only way God would release his authority into uh, to someone being a king when he's called them, when God releases his authority in you to become what he has called you to be, he will equip you with what you need to do the job. In Israel's history, in order to be a king, you had to be in line of a priest, and a priest had to have the right equipment 
to offer sacrifice. And that was the bread. He deposited into, he gave to Saul what he needed to accomplish the job that God called him to do. The same thing with providence today. God is sovereign provident in many areas of our lives, not because he sees us as better than anybody else, but because he has a greater plan to accomplish and he needs us to, to partner with him to get it done. Or move out of the way. Or move out of the way. I want to partner with God. And what that means is there are times that I have to let go of my control so that I can partner with God because he's leading me in a direction that I don't understand. Divine providence. And sometimes there's a lot of waiting that goes on. Ah, I hate the waiting game. When we're waiting for his yeah. providence. And that's where we sometimes get frustrated and lose our patience. Yes. Um, Beth Miles shared an article, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the author, but if you look on her Facebook page, you will... You can see it. It's when life feels out of control. And there was three truths in there to remember about waiting. And I thought it was so powerful. The first one was waiting reveals what you worship. Wow, that hit me hard. What are we doing at home while we're waiting? What are we listening to? What are we watching? You know, what are we doing? Waiting reveals what we worship. Number two, waiting is never wasted. God did not withhold his promises from the Israelites when they were um, in that 400 years that we talked about earlier. He was preparing them for it. So your waiting is never wasted. He is preparing you for what he has for you. Number three, waiting helps us focus on God's faithfulness. We talked about this at the beginning. God's faithfulness has not changed. The God who patiently protected and provided for the Israelites also conquered death so that you could experience eternal life. So if you find yourself growing weary from waiting, look up and look back. <laughs> look for evidence of God's presence and look back on what he's done for you, and this will help you to hold on to hope. All of the things that we've been talking about, this is things to remember in our waiting. Uh, Travis Green leads a worship song that says, While I'm waiting, I'm getting stronger. My faith is rising, and I will run on. While I'm waiting, I'm lifting up on wings as eagles. I will trust, I will trust in you. And how beautiful it... Sometimes reading uh, Psalm 8, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he will... You know, it's pretty sometimes. And other times... It's like one of those, you want to almost go into travail I'm tired over the of idea of waiting. But you know that whether or not you want to wait in that season, you're still waiting. We can wait with a good attitude, or we can wait with a, a sorry attitude. We're still waiting. The same time is going to pass, yeah. right? Yes. So if I could encourage, because we're getting close to our time, you know, those that are sharing with us right now and that will listen later, it's okay if you've been impatient in your waiting. Just know that God is patiently waiting for us, which is such a beautiful thought to me. And if we can, like you said, just trust in his divine providence and know that he is working all things for our good. He's either working all or none. What are we going to believe? He's working all things for my good or none. So trust in 
that promise that all things are working together for your good because you trust in the Lord. And just surrender to the providence of God in your life because he's preparing you for something far greater than, our, than we can even see because we can't really see it. He knows. He knows the future. I love that. Um, adding to what you're saying um, was the rest of that story with Saul. And I think it's significant. I want to share it. By reading the scriptures in in verse five, uh, God through Samuel is telling Saul after that, after he has received the bread, right? After he's received what he needs to begin his journey in becoming, right? Becoming is a journey. Uh, as much as we want to believe it happens one moment in the altar at church when we're gathered around and you know high praise, incredible, intense prayer and and intercession. The becoming part is the process. It's the waiting part. The process is the waiting, and the waiting is the process, right? So after that, you will come to the hill of God where the, where the garrison or where the, the, the stronghold, the, the fort of the Philistines is. And when you come there to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a harp, a tambourine, a flute, and a lyre before them, and they will prophesy. I love this. The importance of connecting to the incredible, encouraging prophetic word is important. In any waiting journey, if you want to wait with a great attitude, wait in worship. Wait in, in connection to uh, service to God and in, in worshiping God and in, in all of those things. And he says, and the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. I love this, the promise in this. And you will prophesy with them. In your becoming, you will become one with them, right? And you will be turned into another man. I loved that. When I found that, I thought that's exactly the waiting is for. It's the process that God is using in our lives to become the person, the man, the woman of God that he has always identified us as being. I have a, my heart right now is so full in wanting to help others to attach to the idea of connecting to God and allowing him to develop in us who we are called to be. We are going to see a restoration. I believe it with all my heart. I prophesy it right now. That we are going to see restored identities in the body of Christ. We're going to see men and women, young people and old people reconnect with the identity that God has always called them, not what the world has said. We are reconnecting to our identity in Christ. Christ in us, in us in Christ, right? If any man be in Christ, I said this to you earlier, we were talking on the phone. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, right? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. But I love the also, uh, the other side of that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah for that. And you will prophesy with them and you will be turned into another man. And it will be when these signs come to you. Do for yourself what the occasion requires. That's the hard part. When these things start to happen, do whatever God says in that moment to do because that is part of the becoming. And it, and it goes on later to say, and it happened that when he turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him another heart. 
that person that you have called hopeless, that child that you just refuse to believe could be anything different than what they are. I prophesy to you right now to let go of your idea of what your child is to be and grab hold of the idea that God has called them. God has caused, given them an identity that you didn't even realize. I believe it. I prophesy new identities in the name of Jesus. People are waking up. That I know that you feel something. Feelings are deceitful. Don't go by your feelings. Go by your faith. Go by what God says. You want to know who you're supposed to be? Find out what God says and who God says that you're supposed to be. And you will find yourself on a journey of becoming. Amen. Well, that's one thing I pray for my kids, almost exactly what you said. Every day I pray for my kids. Let them become everything that you have called them to be in the kingdom. Yeah. Every gift God has already created, put within them, put within us. So God, just let it, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto my children according to your word. Let them be everything you've called them to be in the kingdom of God. 20 years ago, came to the river. No one would have thought 20 years ago, coming in a messed up kid, had uh, goth makeup on and covered in, always wearing black, uh, had piercings and all kind of places messed up, druggy, uh, confused about my identity, didn't know, didn't know God in a way that I should have known him or would like to have known him. Who would have thought that 20 years ago this past weekend that that broken kid who came in on a, on a Sunday morning and saying, I want to sex you up as, a, as one of the hymns that Pastor Lee would trigger me to would become somebody who is digging into the word of God and teaching and preaching and proclaiming God's goodness and his deliverance. It may look crazy right now, but imagine what the next 20 years would look like if we would start speaking life into people instead of, of judgment into people. What if we called out the treasure of God in their hearts instead of calling out all the crazy crap that they've lived through? That's the shift in our minds. That's the shift in our perspective. That's the divine providence of God that we are going to start identifying with who God says we are and not what judgment calls us. Amen. I love that. I love it so much to the point, even in Saul's story, 